Hello and welcome to The Sand the Pit, the podcast where I'm the kind of guy who can't stand the holidays, so I drink them all away. That's me. Uh, that's, uh, that's just a quote from your uh, autobiography, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Why my dad never loved me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the name of an ABC after school special? <laughs> um, <laughs> so welcome to the uh, Sandler Pit. I'm Luke, this is also Luke, and we watch every Adam Sandler appearance, TV show, film, whatever. And it's a very nice return to the seasonal theme song by uh, our very own Joe Tyrone, which yeah. uh, I've missed for the last 51 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> what an absolute banger of a song. Can't wait to put it on the next few episodes. It's great. Last year, we watched Eight Crazy Nights, which is Adam Sandler's Hanukkah-based film. This year, we were kind of debating what to do for our pre-Christmas special episode. And then we came upon this, which is a Christmas film where Adam Sandler's probably barely in it. So yeah, we're going to be watching Mixed Nuts. This is a, a Christmas film that neither of us had heard of until we started trawling our way through Adam Sandler's IMDb page every week, looking for some scraps to dig our teeth into. <laughs> <laughs> Usually Christmas films are either iconic or they just fizzle away and you never hear about them ever again, like the film Deck the Halls. Like, do you, do you like Christmas films? I think we spoke about this before, but like, what are some of the good ones you would watch every year or whatever? So I think we've mentioned before, for some reason when I was a kid, every Christmas Eve I'd watch Annabelle's Wish on video, a film about a cow that wants to be a reindeer, and then she dies of old age. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, th- that is the saddest film of all time. And for some reason, my parents it would always make me watch it before bed. And I'd be crying as I went to sleep every Christmas for years. Think- What's the most recent one you've watched other than Annabelle's Wish? We've definitely spoken about this fucking film before. Like, sorry to interrupt you there. But yeah, no, I, I don't want to hear about it again. <laughs> I don't want to hear about no, we're that not, shit. You, you're just getting angry about any film that's about animals on a barn. <laughs> <laughs> Dead animals. I hate them. I hate, you just hate cows dying. But no, my go-tos are always, I love watching It's a Wonderful Life. Perfect film. Mm-hmm. I love watching Muppets Christmas Carol. That's a, literally a perfect film. This year, I watched Green Knight, which is set Christmas, and I really like that, and I'd like to watch that some Christmases because it's kind of a weird medieval Christmas, and it's I'd say it's probably the most realistic view of Britain at this time of year, which is miserable <laughs> and horrible. <laughs> I haven't watched that yet, but now knowing it's a Christmas film, I'll definitely... I mean, I was going to watch it anyway, but I know now that I've, I've been saving it for a reason. The most recent <laughs> one I watched was that one with Kristen Stewart called... Was it like Happiest Season? And it was getting a oh, lot of... Oh, God. It was getting a lot of praise because it was like one of the first LGBT Christmas films. But like, it was really depressing. I hated mm. the lead character in it. Loved Kristen Stewart. She was great in it. But like, that was an odd one. I don't think I'll be revisiting that. I applaud it for what it was yeah. trying to do. But like, could have been a film filled with joy that didn't reference the fact that they were gay. Just show that it's a normal thing. Just said it was all about hiding it from your family and stuff. I think Eternal's got a lot of shit this year. It's not a great film. But I think the way that they just had a gay character have a husband he has a Mm. kid and that's it they don't linger on his sexuality it's not like a story beat even it's just that's who he is and i think that was really good i feel like representation in christmas films is probably lacking and whilst it is important to show that kind of story i think just a film with a gay character where it's not even reference that's just who they are would be really good but yeah i, I never don't think we're that. gonna get that in mixed nuts though are we <laughs> <laughs> this yeah is from what 1994 did i read yeah it's based on a french comedy play called uh le pire noël et son odeur which is uh called santa claus is a stinker <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's uh, a dark comedy made by Nora Ephron, who did what did she do? When Harry Met Sally, and she definitely wrote that, didn't she? I don't know if she directed it. But... She didn't direct it. That was uh, Carl Rayner, I think. I don't think I've I've Rob Rayner. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think I've seen many films that she actually directed, but I know that she wrote a lot of like quite nice like rom coms and stuff. So hopefully yeah. this film's got some good heart. Yeah, like Sleepless in Seattle's a great film. I love that one. I've never watched You've Got Mail, but I think that's about like a guy who finds out everything about a girl online and then stalks her. So I was like, it's just Tom Hanks stalking a woman for oh, she directed Sleepless in Seattle as well. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, not just wrote it. That's cool. What's this as well? She's done Michael. Do you... I think we might have spoken about this film before but it's the one when John Travolta's in it and he's an angel <laughs> he's an angel that's on earth if we manage to watch Barnyard is there some way we can watch the film Michael <laughs> uh, hang on let me have a look at the cast of Michael fuck me the poster's funny is Chris Rock in Michael <laughs> Uh, Andy McDowell William Hurt Bob Hoskins uh, da, 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 da. There's no Joey point. Lauren Adams <gasps> that's such a reach <laughs> I like that people are getting this insight into how we decide on the films that we watch that are such a reach <laughs> from doing Adam Sandler things. We'll oh, see. Oh no, there's a picture on the Wikipedia. It's John Travolta in like a white suit and a wig at like some awards show. And then a painting of the Archangel Michael. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, this is the character he's playing. <laughs> That's brilliant. So on Mixed Nuts IMDb page, I've scrolled down a bit. So it's got 5.4 out of 10, which is never a great sign. But mm. with these films, you never know because like some people do just hate them, but also we've loved some of the ones that are badly seen. And it says more like this. You might also like Eight Crazy Nights, which has oh. 5.3. So... Are we getting another Eight Crazy Nights? No, because we hate everything from this era. Think about it. We hate Coneheads. Airheads was all right, but like we've hated most of these. Shakes the Clown, that kind of era. Yeah, Forgotten comedies are usually forgotten for a reason. I agree, but like I feel like Steve Martin's a bit of a different class to some of those. Actually, no, he's not. He did like Yours, Mine and Us. No, not Yours, Mine and (laughs) Us. Cheaper by the Dozen. (laughs) That sucked. Oh, his Wikipedia page is him playing the banjolele. That's cute. Oh, a banjo I, or something. What do you think of Steve Martin? Weirdly, I've I've always loved him. Although I feel like he's way before our time. Mm. Like he did some really good films in the eighties. I remember my dad make getting me to watch The Jerk and The Man with Two Brains when I was a kid, and I used to absolutely love them. And he's the star of maybe one of my favorite. I don't think it's a Christmas film, but my favorite like seasonal film, which is Looney uh, Tunes Back in Action. Yeah, you know what? I watched that <laughs> just before Space Jam Two came out. Fucking good film, better than Space Jam One. Underrated. He's a villain in that as well, actually, isn't he? He is. But no, the film Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I love that film. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's wonderful. It's got a lovely message at the end. John Candy's perfect, and Steve Martin's the perfect foil for that kind of character. And him getting really angry when his car like breaks down, and he's like, "I need a fucking car from this fucking place because I need to fucking get home." Is really funny. I think he's a good sort of, maybe not necessarily an everyman, but I do feel like you always root for him to an extent in these films, even when he is quite horrible in some of them, which he's good at as well. So I think yeah. if he's the dad in a Christmas film where everything's going wrong, it, I think it could probably work, to be honest. If it's everything going wrong and he's the dad, that sounds a bit like um, that National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which is, again is... Yeah, I, I, right, I, I've not really seen that since I was a kid, to be honest. It's not something I have like fond memories of, the National Lampoon vacation films but i watched it for the first time at uni to be honest 
I thought it was all right. All Americans have this film they all watch at Christmas, I think. Christmas story. Yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, what is that? (laughs) I don't know, some little specky nerd kid wants a gun. (laughs) Yeah. Is it in that that there's like a lamp that has a leg with fishnet tights on it and it's supposed to be like an iconic thing? I remember doing like movie quizzes and stuff and that picture comes up and like no one in the UK ever gets it and the answer is always that film. When I was a kid, I used to like go on IMDb quite a lot, tracking films. I remember like all the Christmas film lists and it's like, the best Christmas films and it was this fucking film I never heard of never seen because certain films have become like really popular in America because of like TV channels like It's a Wonderful Life wasn't popular I think till the 70s or 80s and then they bought the rights to it and then they just show it every day throughout like December because they had the rights to this old film and because of that it's become a classic like at the time no one even gave a shit about it like when yeah. it got released but America have that whole like Hallmark channel type thing as well don't mm. they where there's not really anything too comparable over here like our biggest film Christmas films Love Actually which like has its faults has its good parts I'm not the biggest fan of it but I watch it every Christmas even though I don't even really like it yeah me too <laughs> I watch it every Christmas day and every Christmas it gets worse and worse yeah do I ever tell you about that one where I watched it and I was really drunk and I woke up in the morning with flights to uh crack off <laughs> and I was like what so I bought you wanted to be like to Tim Pringle or whatever his name is <laughs> Chris Marshall <laughs> Tim Pringle yeah except I couldn't afford the US so I just went oh Poland fuck it <laughs> so weird but I used to like that film quite a lot and every year I find something that new I hate that has aged like cheese left out of the fridge (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of bad stuff in that but I feel like again this is something we spoke about last year this is the point of Christmas though it's familiar it's like an old jumper you only wear one day of the year every every year (laughs) yeah we're all gathering around the fire we're all going to talk about Annabelle's Wish and other classics again like we did last year it doesn't matter like we just this is just what we're going to do forever you've got me thinking now are there any other British Christmas films um I mean are there any other British films (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that many do we has Ken Loach done anything for Christmas <laughs> Christmas I'll on say- the breadline <laughs> <laughs> it's always set in Yorkshire and always an animal dies <laughs> they never have a turkey for Christmas they have like a hedgehog we, uh, we had to kill our kestrel this year <laughs> we could have cooked it for Christmas tea <laughs> roast kestrel um, for me, though, one thing I always have nostalgia about Christmas Oh, the Nativity is, uh, film. Sorry to interrupt there. That is the British yeah, Christmas films. The that's the worst interruption you've ever done. Great the series. Wor- but the worst series ever. That <laughs> Mr. Sparkle or whatever, he needs to get so to fucking sweet. prison. Mr. T- no, it's not What's sweet. his name? Mr. Tickles or something. Yeah, Arthur Mr. Christmas? Tickle. I like Arthur that's Christmas good. a lot. It's good. It should have been plasticine there. Claymation yeah, would, would have been, been bad. Better, wasn't it? I guess you've got like every version of Christmas Carol is technically British, but probably made by Americans. Yeah. And the best version is the American version, which is the Muppets one. By yeah. far, like better than all of them. Um, Jim Carrey, horrible Robert Zemeckis CGI one where he was like, I just want to celebrate Christmas. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I hate that one. <laughs> it's so grim. I like Polar Express though, but... I hate Polar Express. Do you? Yeah, that's another one where I couldn't get past the animation of it. Creepy, it's so yeah. freaky. But it's the barnyard the... of Christmas films. <laughs> the songs and everyone in that's horrible as well. Doesn't Tom Hanks voice everyone, like including the train? Yeah, he voices every. I do quite like it, but it's not my favourite. But I do cry at it every single time at the last monologue when Tom Hanks is saying about the, oh, well, some people stop hearing the ringing of the bell, but 
but no, I don't know why he's... His voice nearly that was like Matthew it, wasn't it? it? That was good. Yeah. That was just like he was in the in the Zoom. Uh, one film I did really like recently was Klaus. Um, oh, yeah, very good. Beautiful film. And the guys, Jason Schwartzman, sounds like he's doing a David Spade impression. And it has Norm MacDonald in it. Mm, we, we should do that, that one one year. Next yeah. year. It's a good, bloody good Christmas film, that one. But yeah, I was saying the thing I have nostalgia about Christmas, and I don't know about you, uh, I think about growing up in the UK, is the Christmas comedy special. Like the old Morecambe and Wise ones, Father Ted one in particular is really funny. I find all those like Christmas comedy specials were always like really funny. Like just a spin-off episode of a TV show or like one with it. Because is Morecambe and Wise like a variety show? Yeah, a mix of both. Like they'll always be on like BBC Two around Christmas. Hmm. Yeah, so you'll have like the Morecambe Wise variety stuff, a Gavin and Stacey Christmas special, Royal Family Christmas special. I always used to love all them and yeah, I like watching them at Christmas. Yeah, I think Christmas TV's really good over here. Maybe better than our attempts at films, I suppose. But um, Office Christmas special is one of the best. Oh, yeah. One. Great stuff. Is that the last episode? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's hmm. a fantastic one. And I feel like I've watched American shows and their Christmas episode comes up and it's always kind of a throwaway one. Yeah, Whilst the British like, what ones. do you mean? Danny fuck the turkey it's a bit <laughs> <laughs> it's all bullshit like that but then the British ones seem to have a lot of heart and stakes and like the office they finish on there and yeah I think that's what we do well compared mm-hmm. to Americans but our, the Christmas specials in the UK are like things are always shit yeah the royal family will be like oh yeah Linda's burnt the turkey or whatever and the office Christmas special one David Brent's like left the office and he does like a really shit Christmas nightclub night and stuff like that they're always a bit depressing but good at the same time and then that's why you haven't watched Ted Lasso have you no no I haven't so they did a thing in the second series that it got commissioned as being like eight episodes long and then it won every Emmy or whatever so then Apple were like I'll make two extra episodes so one of them was a Christmas special that just aired in like September because they were just like, we don't want to affect the story. We've already written it. And then one was like a spin-off of like one side character had like a bottle episode. But they did this Christmas episode and that show's weird because it's really good, but it's set in Britain, but incredibly American, produced by Americans, written by some British people. But like they'll have Brett Goldstein come in and he's an English guy in it. And he'll be like, oh, yeah, I traveled a couple of blocks to get here. And you're like, blocks? And Ooh, then they'll say, weird. Where's this thing that I gave you? Oh, I put it in the trash. But like a British person saying it and it's quite jarring. And they did a Christmas Mm. special and it's very American. It's very like ends of people singing carols in the street and stuff. And over here, yeah, quite weird. I've never watched it, but I've heard that it's like really nice. And there's Mm. not really a plot. It's just people being nice. And it is good. It's well written. And like the second series kind of, I think that was the big criticism was that it was too nice. Maybe the first one, some people found that great in. So like the second one was a lot about like mental health and stuff, which was interesting. It was good though. I always prefer my British shows to be horribly depressing and yeah, sad. Like it needs a bit show, of depression, doesn't it? Peep Show Christmas episode is the oh, more best uh, of all It was time. a joke, Mark. <laughs> it was a Christmas joke. <laughs> That's a fantastic one. I know it's not British, it's Irish, but I love the uh, Christmas special of Father Ted where they have um, that fake priest show up who's trying to rob the award of Ted and he's like he comes in his little tight pants he's like oh here we all are now all the lads just (laughs) stood in his just his pants it's so funny I think I agree maybe TV is possibly better over here at Christmas but there are some good Christmas movies I'm intrigued to find out if Mixed Nuts is one of them so usually we have a a Sandler scale which is a list of tropes that appear in all his films like Coca-Cola logo on screen uh, best friend he has nothing in common with a joke about bald people or fat people or whatever 
how do you think this will rate with tropes that we see in Adam Sandler-led films? I think we're probably likely to see some of the lighter ones. There's ones like montage and stuff mm. like that. You know, that's in everything, really. I don't think we'll see Alan Cover or Rob Schneider. I don't think you never know. There's a. It's really weird that he can manage to sneak into like nearly every film that he's good at sports. Wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he's good at ice hockey in this or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He'll be playing some winter base sport. He'll be doing what's that one where you have to rub this, rub the ice, and push a little thing. Oh, curling. Curling, yeah. yeah. He's really good at curling. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Something tells me this will be a gentle film. I could be wrong, but I feel like Nora Ephron's films kind of lend themselves to that sort of like, is it called the silver dollar or the grey pound? I can't remember which one you go with, but like films that are for old people. Oh, right. Okay. You know, those sort of, what's a good example? Best Marigold. Marigold Hotel. You know that? Yeah. Something like Anything that. Anything with Judy Dench. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, because I think her recent, most recent films, like Judy and Julia, which is like a Meryl Streep cooking film, you know? <laughs> Nora Ephron's dead. Well, that was the last film that she did then, I guess. Oh, was it? I suppose. I just saw yeah. it on IMDb. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought that came out, like... 2009. Fuck so. me. I thought that came out in 2018 or something. It came out in 2009. Bewitched is kind of like that as well, I would say. It's an all right film. Actually, no, it's not. When are we going to get into the uh, the Efron pit? There's some real fucking weird films in here that I really want to watch. <laughs> the Angel one's really taking my attention. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like this could be either a safe film or also be like totally crazy. And that's why no one's heard of it. Because I don't want to spoil too much. But one of the descriptions on IMDb, they're all a little bit different. But one of them says Christmas Eve in Venice Beach, California, a serial strangler is on the loose. That's the first line of it. There's more. But like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> is this gonna be Does crazy it, are the that's nuts not like very Christmassy. is that what the nuts are is it people that are, that are crazy or something i'll say this this film doesn't look like it even has a plot based on the picture <laughs> but it is a dark comedy so it might be oh god like really horrible and like might be I, did, yeah, I don't want to read too much into it i just want to be shocked by whatever happens but i'm very intrigued i'm looking forward to this episode you know when we come back we're gonna have a couple of baileys and some hot chocolate oh dear so uh grab your stocking grab your peanuts grab your uh grab your i guess uh, cashews <laughs> we're gonna watch uh, mixed nuts grab someone's neck because there's a strangler on the loose <laughs> oh god you are now listening to the sandler pit hello this is lifesavers merry christmas how may i help you and we are back we have mixed our nuts and we've watched the film mixed nuts luke what's the plot of the 1994 film mixed nuts so uh, the plot of this is that Steve Martin plays Philip. He works with Madeline Kahn, who's playing Mrs. Munchnick. And Do you have one called Catherine? Rita, Rita Wilson as Catherine, yeah. Mrs. Munchnick is like a horrible middle-aged woman, <laughs> widow, I think. And then Catherine is like a really nice kind of sensitive person. They work for a suicide prevention hotline or something like that. And it's Christmas Eve and their landlord has said that they're going to lose their jobs. And then it's about their Christmas having people call up to their suicide hotline. And then those people then come to the office and they're crazy. <laughs> and and then that's it. That's the, the plot. What did you think of Mixed Nuts? I have uh, mixed feelings on Mixed Nuts. <laughs> I think this is a weird one because... There's a lot of stuff in it that hasn't aged particularly well. It's very dark. 
it's a Christmas film that, as we said before, like not really a household name or anyone's tradition, as as far as I'm aware. I mean, there might be some people in the US that love this. I think you said about Christmas story that no no one over yeah. here knows about. I don't know. You know what? We've watched a lot of odd films over this year. And we watch these ones from the 90s and neither of us particularly enjoy many of them. And often, for example, I'd say Coneheads especially and Airheads a little bit, but that was a bit better. Like I was on my phone quite a lot in those films. And in this one, I was watching it because a lot of stuff was happening. But at the same time, I don't know if I could say that I particularly enjoyed it, if that makes sense, Mm. because it is very full on. A lot of the characters are very horrible. Some of the performances are pretty horrible, I thought. But at the same time, there's a couple of visual jokes or the odd quote that I did find quite funny. I think I did laugh a couple of times at this one, but overall, I probably wouldn't be in any hurry to recommend sticking this on over Christmas dinner this year. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? What did you think of this one? I really did not like this in any way. I say nearly every time when I watch a bad one that this is one of the worst, but it's probably not compared to a lot of them. But I did not like this. And I think the reason is the tone is so weird Mm -hmm. and not enjoyable to watch it starts off like a bit of an i want to say like a love actually style like there's loads of characters and loads of storylines going on but the tone is so wrong they do slapstick comedy incredibly dark visual comedy which is never really funny the characters are awful Mm -hmm. there's nothing to really root for and it's also really boring really boring the same as most of these nice films and I did not have a good time watching this at all. <laughs> I was thinking this before because I was talking about it with Emma. We both watched it together and we were both kind of interested, but there was a lot of times where we were looking at each other and be like, what? Like, why has that just happened? Like, yeah. It's quite a, I found it quite interesting more than anything rather than actually enjoyable because like it's a Christmas film where at least two of the people should definitely be in prison. And oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a very odd one. But I said to my wife, I was like, I bet Luke's not gonna like this because i feel like if i was watching this film on my own i would definitely have been like i don't want to watch this but we had quite a weird viewing experience where we were both just a bit like kind of laughing at it more than anything i suppose yeah so this you heard it here first everyone if you want to watch this make sure you have a wife and uh, <laughs> a loved one by your side when you're alone watching this film <laughs> sat alone <laughs> at like 11 o'clock at night watching this is a fucking miserable experience it's it's an hour and 34 it feels three hours long I checked how long was left about seven times. I was mm. falling to sleep whilst watching it. Yeah, I definitely paused it once or twice. It was yeah. def- It wasn't one you could watch all in one go and be like, oh, great watch. <laughs> I knew there was something wrong as soon as I started it because I don't know if you're like massively familiar with Steve Martin films. Yeah, I've seen a few. But what's the one thing when you think about Steve Martin, what does he look like? What's he got? White hair. White fucking hair. <laughs> He's had it since the 70s. In the jerk, he has like this grey hair. And then from man with two brains onwards, he has white hair. He's like Philip Schofield. And Mm. for some reason in this, he's got dyed brown hair and he looks fucking horrible. And every time he was on screen, I was like, why does he look like that? Why have they made him try to make him look younger? It's weird looking. I don't like it. We had a thing as well just now where we were having a chat about it. And um, Em also said she was like, it was just very much like an 80s film. And I was like, this came out in the mid 90s. (laughs) Like there is something about the tone, even like the text in the open and stuff it does look older than it is for sure yeah i found that one of the worst parts of this i think was the soundtrack like it's got obnoxiously loud christmas music and then you're like oh yeah it's a a christmas film i'm watching Mm. white christmas starts playing you're like oh this is christmas but 
it, there's nothing in it which is that Christmassy. It doesn't feel like a Christmas film. It doesn't feel like anything. It just feels like I'm tired and <laughs> I yeah. want to turn it off and run away. I feel like, right, skip him literally right to the end of the film, but I feel like they had a certain visual gag in this film in mind before they had anything else. And they were just like, well, the only way for us to get to a point where Gary Shandling's corpse is inside a Christmas tree is to set this <laughs> film at Christmas. Because there's nothing else that's really Christmassy about it. I get the whole thing that it's one of the days where if you're feeling suicidal or whatever, it's like one of the worst times, you know, the, I think they go into like having disagreements with families and all that sort of stuff. But I feel like they could have said it at any other time of the year other than for that one joke. There's one character who's yeah. just wearing a Santa outfit, but there's nothing particularly Christmassy about this. No, and I, I get that's probably the intent, yeah. right? That it's it's a anti-Christmas film. It's, it's about those at Christmas who will be calling up those kind of lines and very lonely and stuff and them all coming together. It could be a kind of sweeter... It's very dark and very sad and very gross, a lot of this. So a big plot point is that they kill the landlord. That that comes about an hour in. How much Everyone, did that feel like it should have been the inciting incident of a film? It felt so much like that should be in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. But instead we have like Madeline Kahn stuck in a lift and people falling over and, and it's mm-hmm. a bit farcical. And then suddenly this incredibly dark things happen and all the characters who are meant to be quite sane and stable don't act like human beings anymore like they all act like basil faulty but like even Mm -hmm. an even darker version and it's really irritating (laughs) it is odd to be honest i think there was one joke the first time they said it i I did laugh it was when mrs munchnik was leaving they were like say hello to your dead husband's sister for me i was like that's such a terrible way to word it but then sadly that joke then gets used i think three or four more times yeah whereas if it was just once it's a like funny line a bit random and stuff yeah they use it so many times that it it just gets a bit tiring by the end and it's the same with him falling over if it happened one time fine but there's like people banging their head on cupboard doors and stuff quite constantly over and over and over mixed in with the mental illness and being on the breadline while being pregnant storylines and quite so much going on yeah (laughs) like we said this is an ensemble cast there's there's loads of characters. Uh, mm-hmm. Should we go through them all? Yeah, if you want to. They're quite yeah. thinly written characters, so it shouldn't yeah. take too so long. It, yeah, it won't take long. So Steve Martin as Philip, what did you think of uh, Steve Martin? Very unlikable, which I think is something that he does quite well usually, but mm. I feel like this character could have done with some more redeeming stuff rather than just a lot of bad things happen to him so you feel bad for him rather than you like him because he's likable, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get what you mean. I always love Steve Martin, though. Even in this, which I didn't really like the film at all, but I liked him. He's always gives it his all, even though mm-hmm. it feels like it's just he's just trying to get a paycheck in this one. Even though he gives it a decent performance, it's not anything that good. It's just what he's given, isn't it? Yeah. My only thought, really, the whole time was, what, why is his hair like that? Why does he have brown hair suddenly? So off-putting. Then there's Madeline Kahn's in this as Mrs. Munchnik. I love Madeline Kahn. I think she died like maybe a couple of years after this. She was in all the Mel Brooks films. She's in Young Frankenstein. She's really funny. What about in Nurse, though? I don't think I've really seen her in much stuff, but I thought, again, the same with Steve Martin. is like she was good with what she had. I thought she was quite funny, but I just think, again, it's a character that's so unlikable. And this was one where you see this character in other things where they're stern and strict and whatever. Think maybe the head teacher in School of Rock is one that just jumped out at me, you know, like 
someone who seems like they really got a stick up their bum or whatever. And then at the end of the film, they've sort of loosened up and they're a bit funnier. But at the end, she didn't really loosen up. She just had sex with a man on the beach. (laughs) She wasn't like, they didn't break down her walls or anything, whereas that would have been better, I think. Yeah, not much character growth, really. And then the other person who works in that office is Rita Wilson as Catherine. What did you think of her? She's like the love interest by the end, isn't she? I don't know. I haven't really got many notes on her. I can't I can't remember too much what she did. I thought she was she was like fine again. It's, it is just the yeah. same thing. Too many characters, I, I, I think. I think she was the best part of the film. I don't she know She was likeable. Re- she's the only likeable yeah. one. I think it's because... Sandman. <laughs> I think a mix of... She's very likeable. Her character seems quite believable. Hmm. And I did buy into the fact that she liked uh, Steve Martin's character, even though I didn't feel that on his end at the end at all. Felt earned when they kind of get together on her end, at least. Yeah, it could have been shown a bit earlier that she liked him, though. I feel like that came quite late in the day. I didn't really get that from the start too much. I kind of had a feeling, but I feel like they could have blended those two characters together and just made one stronger character, maybe, rather than having the two separate females Hmm. in the office. She was the one that had some of the quite good earlier lines, like the one I said about the hello to your dead husband, sister and stuff like that. I thought she was pretty funny in that respect. But yeah, it was the closest thing to a likable character for sure. Yeah. Well, no, I think there's one more character who's way more likable and the film treats so shit, which is uh, Liev Schreiber. Or Liev oh, Schreiber. OK, yeah. Chris. And she's a trans character. What was going on with that character? I don't know. Yeah, I was a bit confused with it because at first I was really sort of worried that because basically she gets introduced just after there's a mention of there being a killer on the loose. And I was like, oh, they're going Silence of the Lambs. They're going to do Juice Bigelow European Gigolo again as well. And they didn't actually like they played with it with other people thinking that she was possibly the killer. But I don't think the jokes were fully at her expense. I think it was more that people around reacted badly. So I was like, in that sense, this hadn't aged as poorly as it could have. If you think back to anger management, that one, oh yeah, um, where like, they had Woody Harrelson in Woody that Harrelson aged a lot worse than this, and that was more recent. Yeah, Chris as a character, I thought was quite nice, and and there was a few sweet scenes with her and um, Adam Sandler's character that I was quite surprised at, especially for that era. Mm-hmm. That that was like quite nice. They didn't like treat her like a, a freak a lot of the time or anything like that, which I was yeah. very scared they were going to. Be like, ooh, what's going on? But I don't understand what their intent was with the character. What was the Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of thing that they were all calling her Arnie? Yeah, I don't know. And then she walks past the Terminator 2 poster and I was like, what is this? Mm, Yeah, I'm not sure. Was she muscly underneath the the dress and all that? I don't know. We didn't really see. I don't know. I didn't get it. Too many characters in it. That's the problem. I thought she, and she was a nice character, but she could have been more rounded out. And yeah, I don't know. It's easy for us to say this though, as well. Whereas, like, you might get a better perspective from someone that's had similar experiences and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're, I don't want to say what's offensive and what's not because there might have been, like, we, yeah. And honestly, I was barely watching this film. Oh, right. So I bet that that is not taken well. But I think that Lee Schreiber does a decent performance and the character, she isn't portrayed that badly. When I was looking at looking up this film, I think I searched it on YouTube. I think that's where we rented it from. There was a video underneath it that was uh, Lee Schreiber on Conan, I think it was. And the caption just mm. said, Steve Martin gave me the most awkward erection of my life or something like that. <sighs> and I was just kind of intrigued. And then I was watching the film and I was like, where is he? He's not in this. And then I realised who he was playing um, later on into it. The thumbnail of that video was the bit when they're dancing, but I didn't watch it. Ah, I see. 
Nice. <laughs> then there's uh, Felix and Gracie, played by Anthony LaPaglia and Juliet Lewis. What did you think of these? Two? Absolutely hated these two. Fucking I, hated. Them I would have too, loved mate. the film without the. Well, not loved it, but I would have liked it a lot more without them. Yeah. Juliet Lewis is another person. I feel like every time I see her face, I'm like, I don't understand why this woman's in film still. I don't want to be hard. She might be good in something, but I don't know. I don't I, like her in stuff really. I'm the exact same. I don't think I've ever seen Juliet Lewis in anything where I've liked her in it. And I think she's always really bad. And this is such a horrible, detestable character. Both hit the guy, they're both so irritating and mm-hmm. so loud. So and stupid. So, so stupid. Both need to go to prison. Yep. Both of them killed a man. Mm-hmm. At the end, there's the twist. And I was fucking disgusted. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Um, it's not how it works, is it? How that that's not through. how it works. <laughs> Basically, Gary Shandling's in this and he's an arsehole uh, landlord. He plays it fine. And then an hour into the film, he arrives at the whatever. And he's so, oh, there's so much going on. So Felix comes in with a gun and then fucking Chris, like, she fights him mm-hmm. uh, very bravely and then gets shot in the foot by him because he's a. <laughs> Yeah, And then this arsehole is just like drunk, fucking about with a gun. And then his stupid wife grabs the gun and goes, oh, we need to empty it. Starts shooting everywhere, shoots through the door and kills a man. Mm -hmm. And then they decide we need to, I don't know, we need to work this out. We need to put him in the tree and get rid of the body. And then for some reason, all the normal people are like, yeah, we'll help. Why? Yeah. Call the police. I don't understand at all how any of that would have happened. Yeah. Or why? Yeah. And then it turns out that he was the strangler. So because they murdered him, they get £250,000. Mm-hmm. I was fucking outraged. I was like, what's this film teaching you that you need to just be a twat to everyone? And then if you kill someone, you might get money. And you definitely won't get comeuppance. I don't understand it at all. Like, they're definitely the least likable characters in this film. Any scene with them is painting. I've got a note about them that says, are this couple the embodiment of evil or just fucking dumb? And I still don't know what the answer is. <laughs> if they're the embodiment of evil, why do they win at the end? I, w- yeah. I was like waiting for them both to die. Or it did feel like prison. they needed to get a comeuppance, especially Felix, because he's particularly bad, actually, isn't he? He's a fucking idiot. I was waiting for him to die, like a horrible death. And I was like, it's a dark comedy. We'll see them both die or Mm -hmm. him die and her go to prison. Because I think showing a pregnant woman die on Christmas Eve would be even too dark for this. He deserved it. And then what? The film fucking ends and they're rich. Mm-hmm. Like why they don't deserve that money? Fuck them. Yeah, Ugh. I don't. I don't understand why they'd include those two characters because I don't know. They're like some horrible. Was this some sort of send up of like a couple out of like Pulp Fiction or something? Like I don't get what same year as Pulp Fiction. Like I don't know. Could could they have been the two people that robbed the bank? Is that what they're trying to like parody or something? Are they supposed to be some sort of tragic weird couple? I don't know. I I don't get what. I don't care. It That's was the that problem. All. I was like, every time they were on screen, I, I switched off. I couldn't mm-hmm. deal with them. They were just so nauseating. I think there's another character as well who's in this. Like the third credited is Robert Klein as Mr. Lobel. Is that the guy who, who fucks? Vet, the... isn't it? No, the vet is Rob Reiner. Oh yeah, yeah, Rob Reiner. Who directed When Harry Met Sally? He's been in probably... a lot of good stuff, hasn't it? Well, directed and been in good stuff. Yeah. I don't know who that extra character would have been. Was it the one who fucks Mrs. Munchnik? Oh, yeah, the neighbour, maybe. Whatever. Or it, or it might have been the young guy with the ukulele. No, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what a nice segue. <laughs> so, yeah, the last main character 
and he is a main character. Yeah, I guess he's that's a relief. Multiple, yeah, he's a very very young Adam Sandler playing a weird delivery boy or something. What is he? He just no, he just lives in that house. He he makes t-shirts or something. He's, yeah, I liked Adam Sandler in this. I thought he was weird. I thought he was like maybe not likable, but every time he was on screen, I was kind of interested. I don't know what he was doing. It seemed a little <laughs> bit off color. What have I got? He so the first time you see him, he's got headphones in. And this is like a young guy. I think he must be about, what, mid-20s or something like that. And uh, he's got a Walkman and he's listening to Jingle Bells. It's like, of, mm. of all the things out there, why would he be listening to Jingle Bells? And he goes into <laughs> his house and listens to Alvin and the Chipmunks. He's an odd character already. That's established him as being weird. There's a point where he's dressed like a, I don't know how to say this, but like the sort of people that drive gondolas in Venice. Is it a gon- gondolier? <laughs> <laughs> So he's wearing like a little straw hat and a striped t-shirt and he's playing his ukulele and he sings a song. And I've got a note. I I started laughing hysterically when he was singing this song. What? I was going into hysterics because he ends the song and then he goes, I love grape jelly. (laughs) I don't know. It really fucking hit me. You know when something just gets you in the right mood? Um, (laughs) I don't know why. I just really liked it. I've got a note that says this is my dream Adam Sandler character. What are you talking about? <laughs> right, Luke's wrong. He's not good in this. Every few scenes is literally, it's this. Oh, I'm... <laughs> it's all... See, this is really good. <laughs> My name is Chris. I need a piece. It's all that. No, it's just he says, this. your name is Chris. I wonder if that's with a K or a C. Is he... <laughs> He's good. And um, I don't know. He's just, I think maybe it's just because there's at least four characters that are so unlikable. There's like that couple, for example. I wouldn't have wanted to spend another millisecond with them on the screen. But Adam Sandler playing a ukulele and just being stupid, messing around. Young Adam Sandler, still got the life in his eyes. I would take that over a lot of the other (laughs) stuff in this film any day. Maybe it's just comparing it to everything else. Yeah. I'd rather anything. I'd rather fucking dying of AIDS than <laughs> watching another second of Juliet Lewis. That doesn't mean it's a compliment saying that he's the better part. Yeah. He's the best part and he's still shit. <laughs> I didn't think this was much worse than some of the other stuff that we've said is good that he's done before. You know, I, I think this is probably his best pre-Billy Madison stuff, maybe. I feel like that was when he started being confident and could lead a film on his own and not have to always do that kind of voice and stuff and yeah i mean he is literally I, doing this voice in billy madison though it's him going around doing a squeaky voice pretend to be a kid isn't it singing about suntan lotion yeah you're right <laughs> i'm, 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 I'm full of shit it's Sandler's best stuff is when he's doing that we this got... is just him walking around as an snl skit one of his songs but yeah. living so we have living go- and breathing one yeah we have going overboard terrible Shakes the clown. He was all right in that. Yeah, not bad. Coneheads, barely in it. <laughs> Airheads, very sexy. Mixed nuts, this. It's like it probably his third best pre Midley Madison in this film, actually. <laughs> I'd say on par with when he was Pip. Instead Isn't of being it mad? Sexy, he's just very childish in this. Isn't it mad that this came out two years before Happy Gilmore? And it feels like it was made 20 years before. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's so irrelevant and boring. It feels uh, like a film that didn't get released or something and we've just stumbled upon it. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking whilst watching it. So there's When Harry Met Sally, it's like written by the same writer. You've got 
characters that feel quite realistic, but funny situations and funny lines, and the chemistry is what sells it. Mm-hmm. You've got Sleepless in Seattle, less of a believable story, but you've got two likable characters, and the chemistry sells it. Here, none of the characters are believable. No one really has any chemistry with each other, so you don't really give a shit what's going on. And it's just, they've completely lost what made the other two films kind of special and what made them likable is good performances, good characters that kind of have good chemistry with each other. This has nothing. It's just loud and for people falling over and not acting like people for an hour and a half. Yeah, it does feel very misguided. I don't know what they were trying to get with that sort of thing. As soon as you're putting guns into Christmas films and stuff, you're kind of confusing <laughs> things, aren't you? I don't know how it could have worked, though. Like, I feel like you could make a dark Christmas film set in a suicide hotline but there's just something missing there's no teeth to this at all a bit like more dark things happen yeah uh, either a bit more heart take, or... take one step one side or the other not like tightrope walk and keep slowly falling over into like i don't know like dick van dyke show style falling over the <laughs> kettle and stuff burning your hand on things or you want it to be fully dark bad santa like this guy's yeah. fucked up or something like that but yeah like the tone is the problem change that either really dark or really heartfelt one of the two one of them would work but don't try and mix them both together don't make me give a shit about a murderer getting money for christmas for a newborn child i don't Mm. care and i don't care about these characters or this world i don't want any of them to succeed i don't care maybe they should have been kept separate or something like love actually i mean we both said we don't really like it that much but at least that sort of has one storyline about i don't know a widow and then another storyline about two porn actors or something it kind of keeps it quite separate in a way yeah i'm gonna sound hypocritical because i i've said before i don't like love actually imitators you know like where it tries that thing but imagine if it was like the building's getting closed down you've got people living there and some office spaces and you go into the storylines of what's happening to each of them christmas eve when they've got to move out like in a few days yeah you've got adam sandler's like a young guy who maybe is in love with someone else you've got steve martin's like desperate businessman doing this thing where he gets no money for it and trying to tell his employees that they thing and then you've got a struggling like couple you don't need them all together you can have them just maybe walk past each other because when you live in a building with people like you don't know everyone who lives in that building that could be part of it that Mm -hmm. they don't know each other they don't know what's going on no exactly fuck this I didn't love it, but they could have done something similar to like how French Dispatch is like framed. They could have just had the helpline framing all the other stories, could just go Ooh. into each person's problems or something. Yeah. Little episodes, it could have been fine. Yeah. If it was like love- one memorable one, then people would have probably stuck with this film rather than just forgetting about it. Uh, yeah. Trash. It, it does cross over as well into that whole. Do you remember I said about the films that are for old people, the like the best exotic marigold hotel and stuff? There's parts yeah. of this that cross over into that, especially the music, the people mm. like cycling along the boardwalk and stuff. Like it's all very light. And then at the same time, there's like stuff that's kind of like trying to push the edge and whatever. And it just doesn't come together like with the end result. I definitely did find it an interesting watch though. And like the stuff that happened was holding my attention but to come away and say i liked it is a bit of a like a different story i wasn't interested in what was going on i thought they're trying to be funny like oh this guy's injured himself let's take him to a vet Mm -hmm. it's like that kind of joke would work as a one-liner in the simpsons or something or like a clever comedy but not this it just feels unearned and Mm -hmm. not funny yeah and then he takes dog tranquilizers and he barks doesn't he at one point (sighs) 
hated that guy. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah I've, I've got a note at the end saying this is a massive unearned heartfelt moment because he's going to like kill himself and stuff. He's like yeah. stood on a building with like a gun to his head and I was just kind of like, go on, do it. <laughs> <laughs> like the worst takeaway from watching this film is... <laughs> actually yeah. wanted him to kill himself <laughs> yeah you don't care <laughs> no i just got a note saying that he sucks yeah i i said it's the same ending as barnyard really genuinely poignant and it's an ending about like acceptance and stuff it ends with it looks quite like the nativity scene and don't you dare i just don't thought it had a really strong this. message about accepting people even if they're like not your own family you know like oddballs you, and stuff that's what it was just you, like the baby being born it was very similar to a film we watched not long ago you are Fuck you. That film ended with them looking at the stars and the stars were dancing the same as they danced for Ben when Ben adopted Otis. And how dare you bring that up right now? Very similar films. No, they're not similar. No, they're not. Actually, they are a bit. They are quite similar. They quite both don't understand tone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it was was a bad ending. and Because they'd had lots of running jokes throughout that he wanted to do wall art or something. And it ends with him getting to finally do his drawing on the wall. And it was just shit. That Um, drawing on the wall as well looked crap. Yeah, I'd have painted over that. Yeah, fuck him. I (laughs) I think the thing I didn't like about it was that it didn't look Christmassy either. Because they've set it on a beach. There was a yeah. there was a snowman made of sand. That was okay. You can make a Christmas film that's not like a white Christmas, a snowy Christmas, as long as you've got a heart and a, some feeling behind it. Hmm. And this just all the heart just doesn't even feel like anyone gives a fuck. It's just I can't think of any that I like. So that have snow in them though. Ooh. Now that you've said it, like it probably is true. Die Hard. Seen it. Die Hard. Does Die Hard not end with oh. some snow? Oh fuck. Is that Die Hard or Die Hard 2? They're both set at Christmas. Oh, there is. One of them ends I've only ever seen the first one. Second one's good. They're all they're all good except for the fifth one. Hmm. Another thing I did kind of like in this was the bit when Steve Martin got dumped on the phone. Oh yeah, that was quite good. I like the writing in that. I think that might be the one bit that was actually well written when she was like, my psychiatrist says I should leave you. And then he's he's like, oh, I didn't know you were seeing a psychiatrist. And she says, I'm, I'm not seeing one. I'm dating one. <laughs> She'd been dating him for four months. Like that, that was pretty funny. I think that was the last yeah. like actual good joke in this film for me. And that was in the first 10 minutes, I think. Yeah. I don't understand how this business like so this business is failing because they they said the clients obviously don't pay for the, that service. Wouldn't like a council pay for it or would it be who funds this? So I guess like, donations, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be like donation. It'd be like a charitable organization. They'd probably get money from the council. So why are they getting foreclosed? Why is Steve Martin saying, "Oh, we don't make any money because our clients don't give us money it doesn't make well, any sense i was gonna say maybe the landlord was just trying to do something shady upset everyone and then he was gonna kill them all or something he was the seaside strangler after all oh that strangler thing it reminded me of the office storyline oh yeah the, the scranton strangler and it's just this looming thing over the film and i completely kept i kept forgetting about forgetting. it until anyone mentioned it and then at the end they were like oh he was the strangler so oh, that's fucking convenient isn't it what did they find in his bag? Because it looked like it just had parts of a Christmas tree in it. Because they looked in his bag and then they were like, oh yeah, he was a strangler. What was in there? Someone's neck. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it can't be a weapon if he's a strangler. Maybe a yeah, pair exactly. of gloves. His gloves. Yeah, God knows. Halfway through, they revealed that like the film's called Mixed Nuts because of something his dad said before he like killed himself or something like that. Oh no, he got run over by a truck of mixed nuts. And that's why the yeah. film's called Mixed Nuts. One, it's not funny. And two, like, why name your film after... That it's like Christmas. Yeah, 
and, and obviously he, it's in, about a group of them and they're all nuts yeah i was gonna say he keeps calling them like nuts and stuff you're all nuts and he says that about um chris and she hasn't even fucking done anything wrong she's just shown up and been nice to everyone yeah i know yeah. he's like you're you fucking crazy it's like what's she done? She definitely she doesn't do anything crazy does she she, she just what do dances yeah she arrives there she's very sad and like upset and then visits them and he's nice to everyone and dances with steve martin talks nicer to adam sandler and bravely tries to wrestle a gun off a maniac what does she do she's just depressed and they're like oh you're fucking crazy it's horrible should we go on to our santa scale i mean our sandler scale because remember it's christmas Oh yeah, it's Christmas. I fucking forgot. Because I watched this film the barely. day I put my uh, decorations and my tree up. <laughs> we then watched Mixed Nuts. <laughs> Probably the only people to have ever done that since 95. <laughs> this is my second Christmas film after the Santa Claus. Oh, nice. No wonder I'm so fucking tired. How did you do on your Santa scale this week? I did all right, I guess. I got a line, I think an hour in or something. Injured animal. I can't remember what it was. Did you not what? write it? No, I usually do, and I was so checked out, I just kind of fucking crossed it. Well, there was what a scene in a vet. They went. To yes, the vet, I think so. it was the vets. Like, there's animals that are injured in the vets. Surprise cameo. I did it for Rob Reiner and Philippe mm-hmm. Schreiber, I guess, but he's more of a, a main character. Weird tonal shift. Most of this film has yeah. got constant, but I crossed it particularly for where Gary Shandling gets shot in the chest and dies. I also got an uh, old joke. I think about Madeline Kahn's character, even though she's probably about 50. I was going to say, all... all three of them look the same age, but I think yeah. I'm supposed to believe that Catherine's really young. Steve Martin's kind of in the middle when she's old, but they all look about the same. That's Yeah, that's why they gave Steve Martin that fucking hair <laughs> to make him look like a young boy. But it's like, he looks like an old man. Uh, so yeah, old joke. Well, and then we had Maniac Villain. Uh, I did that for Gary Shandling as a strangler. <laughs> but also for Felix, like the worst guy ever. Yeah, I think even Um, Steve Martin at a push, you could say. Yeah, you gave me tragedy. I don't remember we've ever had that. (laughs) I I just put it, I thought it was funny to word it that way, but I meant tragic backstory. Oh, I like like, tragedy. tragedy. (laughs) Because this whole film is a tragedy, like both production-wise and story-wise, it's uh, tragic. There's loads of tragic elements to this, like all the characters are poor and all about to lose their house and they're all miserable or suicidal. And it's a very dark world and not very fucking Christmassy. Ones I didn't get, I didn't get shouting Sandler because Adam Sandler in this just, he only talks like this. He doesn't shout. I think the first scene when he comes in and he's like, jingle bells, jingle bells. It like Is echoes that shouting? through the building. He's going jingle bells, jingle bells. And he's it's he, not like isn't he like um Batman rolled away? Yeah, he's there's <laughs> so many fart noises comes out of his mouth. It's so annoying. He's really good. He's my dream sound like Yeah, what? <laughs> other times, other times I like this a lot. I, it has to be what the way I watch it, I think. Watching this at 11 p.m., oh, knackered yeah. after a late shift, like miserable, wanting to just fucking go to bed. And him saying, Merry Christmas to you. I was like, shut up. It's like they wanted bastard. there to be something for everyone. He's there for like kids to laugh at. And then mm. there's like the dark stuff for like your parents. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. And then I didn't get urine, I don't think. No, I did. There was yeah, something Madeline about you. Madeline Kahn starts pissing in front of everyone. Yeah. And then I was like, why why is no one leaving the bathroom? 
because mm-hmm. she's pissing. I'd be like, so this is the problem. No one in this film feels like a human being. Uh, and then I didn't get reference to weed, I don't think. So yeah, pretty pretty heavy. What about you? Uh, the opposite. I did very, very poorly. I got three ticks, none of them in a the line. I got Sandler sings, opens with him singing. All he does is sing. Fat joke, we got a pregnant woman here. There's a lot of jokes about her. I think she says she's only six months pregnant and because Felix was in prison nine months ago or something. And then she gives birth at the end. So obviously it's not Felix's baby. It's, I don't know, the Lord God's baby, the Immaculate Conception, because it's the nativity at the end. Um, but yeah, there's lots of pregnant jokes. Fuck, is that is that the plot that she didn't... Even... Yeah, the, he said that he was in prison six months ago or something, didn't he? Yeah, but I mean, that doesn't mean that she gave birth to... From no, air. she's obviously cheated. Cheated on it. Oh, good. Maybe I thought Adam Sandler's sexy little character. Um, I also took product placement for Adam Sandler's big old Walkman that they show a bunch of close-ups of when he's singing Jingle Bells. But other than that, I don't think it was too heavy on that. There was a mention of KFC though, so that could have maybe counted. Didn't get a montage. Didn't get anything good at sports. Didn't get violent kids. I was close to taking that for Juliette Lewis because I think she was only like twenty in this, but not quite a kid. Didn't see a nice property particularly. I mean, their apartment wasn't bad, but it was also half of an office, so that's not great. No dream sequence. Wouldn't have been surprised if there was one in this. It felt like a fever dream. No court case, even though half these characters definitely should have been involved in one. Yeah, they all are going to get one. Like, yeah. As soon as the cameras stop rolling for these characters, they're all going to prison. They killed a man. Why are they not punished? And disguise his body and then lie to the police about it. There's so many crimes being committed in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should have maybe added that to the scale. Crime. Crime. (laughs) We've done that before. But yeah, no bingo. I thought it was quite light on these tropes. It had a bunch of tropes of its own, but sadly we didn't have man trips over telephone wire or anything like that. There's a lot of that. (laughs) Maybe next time. Everyone falls on top of each other whilst trying to barge in a door at the same time. (laughs) That's a a trope that we need to add to the Sandler scale. Good God. So, Luke, are you going to shoot yourself in the head? And, 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 and put this in the pit or are you gonna i don't know fucking whatever i'm so out i don't care right is mixed nuts um do you want me to do one <laughs> <laughs> yeah go on i can't even be bothered this film's proper deflated me i don't even feel right shame i thought it was like an interesting one i, I didn't this enjoy it there's nothing interesting about oh. it yeah, fair enough. So, Luke, the film Mixed Nuts mm. is calling you mm. on your phone. Are you going to give it some good advice and make sure that it has a decent Christmas, maybe in the Sandler Castle? Or are you going to keep on hanging up, call them crazy on the phone, not follow any of the guidebooks, and lead to them having a really bad Christmas where they feel really low, really down? And you know what's down? The Sandler pit. Are you uh, going to give it good I... advice or bad advice? <laughs> I'm going to give this the worst advice. I, in fact, I'm not even going to answer the phone, no matter what problem they have. This is one of the, the most fucking tedious, irritating films I've ever seen. And my viewing experience of this was not enjoyable at all. I was sat alone at no, in the middle of the night watching this endless barrage of shit farce and bad, heartfelt crap and innocuous, dumb bullshit. I did not enjoy almost any of this even though i love steve martin i love most of the people in this it's just really really not enjoyable i think that there's some kind of good idea here i think that 
a suicide hotline at Christmas is an interesting plot for a film and they just don't deliver anything. So yeah, at the bottom of the pit for me, I will never ever think about this again. Be careful with those words because we definitely said that about like Coneheads and then spoke about it every week <laughs> since we watched it. <laughs> How about you? Um, I'm kind of the same and I could definitely see why you feel like that. I think there's elements of this that I did enjoy and I did find it an oddly intriguing watch if not totally enjoyable i don't think i'd have ever considered putting it into the the castle because it just isn't it isn't something you'd recommend to people i don't think it hits the notes that a christmas film should not that it definitely has to but i feel like you know you've got the poster is just steve martin wearing a christmas hat and that should deliver so much more than this actually does a lot of characters that i just outright hated if this film was melted down and they took out like at least four of the characters just made it more focused on one thing it's just trying to do too much and in doing that kind of doesn't really succeed in any direction i think there's the odd bit that i said i quite like like the odd quote that i found quite funny and whatever but overall when it gets to the end of it like those moments are so few and far between in this hour and a half film that um yeah i think it's got to take the broken lift all the way down to the pit sadly (laughs) Again, not going to become a Christmas tradition. And it's got nothing on Eight Crazy Nights, that's for sure. No, and Eight Crazy Nights, Jesus, we were so harsh on it. Like, I'd watch Eight Crazy Nights 10 times in a row than watch this one more time. Yeah. I can't imagine sitting through this again. I like, think you should do that. Painful. You should well, watch, I should it, watch it eight, 10 times in a row. You should watch it every night of the Eight Crazy Nights. <laughs> well, we've missed Hanukkah, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we have. We've been a bit too uh, like relaxed with our schedule this time compared to last year when we were yeah. fresh young pups. Now we're, we're burnt out. <laughs> we're old, burnt out then. We could do that. We could do a live stream. We watch it eight times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Do you know what else is a lot of fun? Go on. A Sandler game that I created in about three minutes before you joined this chat. <laughs> this Yay. is going to hopefully be incredibly quick because it is <laughs> so bad this episode is gonna be about half an hour <laughs> good the easiest edit for everything out i made a game called uh sandlers of time again i think i've done this before sandlers of time it's a time-based quiz i've recently been playing a board game called what came first not on my own i've got friends who my wife <laughs> <laughs> there we go we played this with um our music man joe tyrone and and his his girlfriend they were uh very good at it as well no nah. None of us were good. It's a very hard game. But basically, I've got six things here, loosely connected, and I'm going to give you what came first, this or that. you got to tell me. If you can get the year, get an extra point or something, maybe. What came first? Okay. Yeah, out of these things. So what came first? Saturday Night Live, the TV show, or Nick Swardson? Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live's 1979, and there's no way. Nick Swardson was born in 1980 fucking one probably maybe i don't know actually you've you've got in my own head no i'm gonna say no saturday night live i think it's like 75 there's no way he was born before then so definitely saturday night live cool i'm gonna give you the full points for that because you got saturday night live and it did come out in 1975 fuck yeah nick swardson though he came out in 1976 oh okay yeah that's when he came all right so very good two points there i'll I'll go with how many points do i need to get as many as you want, mate. It's for fun. It's Christmas, isn't it? <laughs> this isn't a dark and depressing Christmas. That film might have made you think it is, but it's not. Okay. Next one. What came first out of the Universal Remote Control or Pac-Man? Well, 
The universal remote control. Do you mean the one in Click? A universal remote control is a control that you can use to con- like to use multiple oh. things, like in Click. Yeah. Oh, so this is this is real world objects because I was going to say the universal control probably appeared at the dawn of time, right? Batman probably <laughs> yeah. in the seventies. Oh, 70s. that exact one from Click. <laughs> no, that's the Click remote. This is just a universal remote control. Uh, I want to say Batman was probably the late seventies or early eighties, maybe. Oh God! To be honest, those whole pre Super Mario, I'm completely lost. That could have happened in any era. It could be the forties. Who knows? I think it. Was, I want to yeah. say. <laughs> I want to say it was the late seventies. I know that Americans had remote controls a lot longer than we did. I feel like they started. In Remember, it's by... the universal remote control, though. It's not just the remote That's, control. I'm getting into that. So, oh, okay, Billy, in the Billy, full law. The Billy Wilder film, The Apartment. I remember, like, he's watching TV and he's like playing on his phone. And I think it's like 1950. He's playing like, on his no. phone. What? Fucking angry. Buddy. Nice smoke. <laughs> he's playing on his. Yeah, he's playing his <laughs> dial. <laughs> um, no, he's playing on the um, fucking remote to turn on his TV and I remember as a kid thinking fuck I can't believe back then they had remotes can't wait till we get those in Sheffield can't wait we still don't have them we have to stand up to turn the telly turn on the dial on the, on the TV <laughs> to get our reports on the war <laughs> see what our lads doing overseas <laughs> while your youngest siblings stood on top with the aerial <laughs> trying to get a signal I think the universal remote let's say that the original one started in the 50s I'm going to say the Universal one came out probably 1970, like four, and Pac-Man probably 1979. So I'm going to say the Universal remote. Sorry, man. You were close with 1979 with Pac-Man. It came out in 1980, but the Universal Mm. remote control was 1985. Oh, shit. Pac-Man was first, and it was in 1980. So what do I get for that? Do I get a a point? zero. Fuck. Okay. It's the exact... You've got to try and get the exact year. They're like bonus points, those ones. All right, what came first? The song, You Spin Me Round, which opens The Wedding Singer. You spin me right round like a record baby, right round, round, round. Or the song, Do You Really Want to Hurt Me, which is also in The Wedding Singer that George sings. So, Do You Really Want to Hurt Me, Culture Club, that's probably early 80s, I want to say like 83. You Spin Me Right Round. I don't even know who sings that off the top of my head. Dead or Alive, I think they're called. Dead or Alive. Um, so I, I don't even know. They're both obviously before The Wedding Singer, which was 1985, The it's set. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Culture Club, 1983. Fuck it. Nice. That's one point. It was first, but it came out in 1982. Fuck! I was Very close. <laughs> I think this is the best I've ever been at any of these games. And I'm not even doing well. well so far, <laughs> you've got two out of three, which is pretty good. <laughs> Next one. Um, what came first out of the start of the archetypal Old West? So the setting of Ridiculous Six, the archetypal Old West. What came first, that or Alexander Graham Bell's telephone? Oh, okay. So the actual Wild West. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because everything before was still kind of classed as that, but the actual Old West, yeah. like the archetype. When did it Are we talking about when cowboys were around? Because they were only around for 10 years, weren't they, or something? I think it's something um, like that. I think the reason that cowboys existed, that kind of thing, was because of the lack of telephones. It was like traveling, taking messages from town to town sometimes. Maybe I'm fucking talking out my ass. I want to say Alexander Graham Bell made the telephone in like the 1870s and the Wild West was like the 1860s. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Wild West first. 
Yep, you're correct. The start of the archetypal Old West was at the end of the American Civil War. I think it's when kind of that? like uh, 1865. Fuck yeah, I did it. Yeah. This is... So I get two you, you points. You just said the decade. You just said 1860s. But Graham Bell's Bastard. telephone was 1870s. So you know what? I am going to give you two points. It's fucking Christmas, isn't it? Yeah. And I said the 1870s for Graham. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I'm doing all right. We'll go decades on that. That's good. Uh, yeah. The phone 1876 is when it was patented. I mean, it might have been invented slightly before that. But yeah. Nice one. So one of these, you are going to know the answer-ish because you looked it up in this episode. But what came first out of... Henry Winkler and Steve Martin. Steve Martin is 1945. And I think Henry Winkler, I think when we, we've looked up, I think he's 1940. Henry Winkler's definitely older. Maybe 40, he's 1942. No, you're wrong. Oh, no. Steve Martin is about three months older than Henry Winkler. So Steve Martin came <laughs> just before August 1945. Henry Winkler was October 1945. Isn't it mad that I always consider Steve Martin to be a lot younger? I think it's because he's, he's always well. had he, grey hair. He doesn't look wrinkled. Even now, he doesn't yeah. look very wrinkly. Because he's always had grey hair, you don't notice him ageing. It's like uh, Patrick Stewart. He's probably about 90, but because he's been bald like his whole career, you, I haven't really noticed he was getting old until about Logan. Yeah, that's true. Same with Philip Schofield. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that guy's ageless. Right, last one here, yeah? So you've got five points at the moment out of five questions with 10 possible points. So you're at the halfway point. I want you to get at least one point with this, whether it's a year or the right answer. What came first out of Netflix or The Waterboy? You're tricking me now, you little bastard. You're tricking me. It's a tricky one. The Waterboy, I can't remember off the top of my head. I feel like it's 98, maybe, maybe earlier, maybe 96. No, I think 1998. Netflix is a streaming service. Yes, it's been a streaming service probably since like 2010, but it was a DVD rental. Mm -hmm. I think that I, I fuck, can't even try and imagine when Netflix came out or established as a business. But are we talking about streaming or are we talking about the company? No, like the company. Netflix is definitely the older one. I'm going to say Netflix started in 1996. Right, you got the one point that we needed. It was Netflix, but it came out in 1997. Fucking hell. Right. Very close. To say I haven't known any of these, my guesses are, are all right. And yeah. what, what year did Waterboy like, Boy come out? 98. Yeah! Yeah. That's why I chose them, though, because they're close together. I could have said that it come out the same year as Big Daddy. It would have been obvious. That one year makes all the difference. <laughs> Very good. All right, six out of 12. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. That's the equivalent of getting a decent orange in your stocking. It's not coal. It's not an iPhone, but it's a decent orange. <laughs> I think that was... Uh... Wait, only six out of 12? Yeah. Oh, that's not that good, actually. That's <laughs> 50%. It's a pass. It's a pass. <laughs> a pass at uni. It's a 2-2. Two, 2-3. Two. <laughs> two, three. Three, it just scraped a 2-2 two, two in that. You got a 670 on your sets, on your SATs. <laughs> Oh, don't do this. We're not going back to the Marshall Chronicles ever again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh. We have thrown mixed nuts. We've opened up the bag and we're throwing them all into the fucking pit. They're all gone. And I never want to talk about it. And I genuinely mean that. This isn't fucking insane like Coneheads. It's nothing. I hated this. This is worse than the do-over. No, I don't think it is. <laughs> Maybe not. No. <laughs> no. It's not worse than Coneheads either. Yeah. Um, so what are we going to be doing next week? Next week, we are going fully headfirst into the Christmas pit. 
we've been there before, but this time we had a Christmas bit too lost in New York. We are. What are we doing? <laughs> should we do? Should we put that as our title? It's so tempting, isn't it? It doesn't mean anything. We're not even going to New York. We're going to watch as a tribute for Norm Macdonald, who passed away this year. We're going to watch an episode of his podcast, which he's speaking to Adam Sandler. So we're going to get some insight into that guy, his life, and stuff. Things that we probably should have researched by now, but hopefully it'll be all new to us. We're also going to give each other some Christmas gifts, some Santa gifts. What I think is interesting about the present thing is the last time we did this, we'd done about 10 episodes. We'd seen about eight or nine of these films. We had a rough idea. Now we've watched fucking 50 something. 50 plus, yeah. We've really lost our cool with this. We're <laughs> weird about Hotel Transylvania now in a way that we never were. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't predict what you've got me. Back then... It was like more generic. Now, I worry that you've gone a bit niche and a bit gross. You're not wrong. (laughs) It's going to be a good one. And then did you say we're doing fan fiction? Some Fansylvania. We're revisiting Fansylvania, which we've done before. (laughs) Nothing says Christmas like a warm story by the fireplace. So we're both writing fan fictions inspired by the ones we've seen before about Hotel Transylvania or about Adam Sandler in general, if you want. I know. Is it going to be Christmas related? No, I I don't think so. Mine's not. Okay. I could change mine and make it Christmas related, probably. All right. All right. There'll be Christmas related. (laughs) That was a quick (laughs) turn. I think that the plan for that, like, tell me if I'm wrong, but what if I write one that you read and you write one that I read? We send it to each other. Yeah. Good idea. I I want you to say the C word loads of times. (laughs) I'm going to make mine as rude as possible. The rudest, the rudest one. How many words does it have to be? I don't know. It's like doing Just, a fucking essay. As long as it's not too <laughs> too long or too short. I've started 10, mine words it's pretty crazy. Yeah, 10,000 words. How many sources should I... How many sources do I need? At least 10. You've got five just from starting it because they're all from like existing books. That's true. And the last thing that we'll also do is that I don't know how, but through a meme, I found out that there's a game called the Adam Sandler Dating Simulator where it simulates you dating Adam Sandler. (laughs) It's a version of like Japanese boyfriend simulator games. So uh, (laughs) we might try and play that as well. I think last year, didn't we do a game each or something? Something like that, yeah. It was quite a big episode. We also reviewed about 40 minutes, about 40 videos from YouTube. Yeah. Is that everything we're doing next week? If it does go on too long, we can put something on New Year's episode, but it's going to be a festive treat for sure. Yeah, so if you're alone this Christmas, you can can pop this on. (laughs) Don't know why you ever would. No. Oh, God. Yeah, so thank you to Joe Tyrone for doing all the music for this podcast, particularly the wonderful Christmas theme that we've missed for the last year and it's back mm-hmm. it's and I do, back. I do really love it he's got a new video out I think he's putting music out quite soon so keep an eye on that follow him on Twitter and all that stuff at Joe Tyrone uh, thank you as well to Luke Terry for editing together all these episodes you're very welcome I think this should be a, a quick edit it's our shortest episode in years a big thank you to Luke Thomas for all his drawings his lovely artwork can't wait to see your mixed nuts of drawings <laughs> They're going to be very quick and very boring, uh, like this film. Follow us at the Sandler Pit on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and, or if you want to email us some festive news, then email us the Sandler Pit at gmail.com. Yeah, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Oh my God, wouldn't please, that be a lovely Christmas treat? Please be kinder to us than everyone has been to Mix Nuts on IMDb. <laughs> 
I think as well, at the time of recording, we've just seen all the Spotify wrapped stuff. I think we should uh, give a shout out to all the legends who had us as their number one podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thank you, Stephen Airy. Thank you, Stu Monroe. Uh, they were the only ones. Joe Tarone. My- Joe Tarone. Joe Tarone's number one, yeah. It was my number two, uh, which is very sad. <laughs> <laughs> If I listened to it, the amount of time it takes me to edit it, I would have probably been the number one listener because it takes fucking ages. Have you ever listened back to any of them once you upload them? No, not once I upload them, no. Because uh, I have the lovely treat of listening to them when they get released, but you, for you, it's just like a miserable affair yeah. if you had to listen to them. Nah. When I'm dead, you could listen back. Yeah. That'd be kind of nice. It, yeah, I mean, there'll, there'll be some, some positives. <laughs> You can listen with your grandkids in the, in the far off future together. Lovely. All right. Well, that's uh, a, exactly the sort of note you'd want to leave an episode about mixing up. So, thank you for listening. Uh, come back next week when we're going to be doing our Christmas special. And until then, it's been a very seasonal Sandler buy from me and a very seasonal Sandler buy from him. I'm not going oh. to a psychiatrist, I'm dating one. Ah. Uh.